0: We're going to start over in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, because tonight I want to talk to you about living fearless. In fact, I need you to become a fearless leader. Say, I'm a fearless leader. Fear Come on, say, I'm a fearless leader. Fear and we need to become fearless leaders. Now again, when you become a fearless leader, then all of a sudden you'll, cre- you'll develop this thing called boldness, and boldness will cause you to say something in the midst of absolute contrary circumstances, and everyone around you who does not live a fearless life like you will think, number one, you're either crazy, or number two, you're arrogant, and you need to be brought down a few notches. Now, the ones who think you're arrogant are typically the ones that are religious, because they actually are religiously taught, not relationally taught, specifically in the realm of the loving king's kingdom. Okay. Um, the other side is is that they just you know think it's crazy that natural things is what it is. That's how it is, and you know to deny that is crazyville, right? Because can't you see this? Can't you see that's happening? Can't you see that's a part of your life? Can't you see? But we don't live by what we see. We live by faith. I said we live by faith. So quit calling yourself a plumber. Quit calling yourself electrician. Quit calling yourself a lawyer. Quit calling yourself a manager. Start calling yourself a faith liver. Right? You live by faith. Okay? That's your living. That's how you live. Those other titles are just job titles you have to go influence people with the kingdom of God. All right? That's where you go get to live faith in front of them. So that when they see your life being changed and see how God all of a sudden does things in the midst of great adversity at times in your life, not all the time, because you don't live in constant adversity. Okay? You may live in constant un- uh um, discomfort. Now, what do I mean by that? You're always believing for something contrary to what you're in. I've just learned to live life uncomfortable, which means the minute I finish one faith project with God, Then I'm asking, what's the next one? Because scripturally, he says, I go from faith to And faith is calling those things that be not as though they were, which means I'm saying something that doesn't currently exist in the scene, but it exists with God. So the minute I see it, now I'm not in faith. It's happened. It's here. Now I need to find the next thing or go to the next level of whatever God's calling. So I'm seeking it because I want to go from this discomforting you know confession so to speak we're gonna have I have this this is what God said this is what a word said even though it's not looking that way and we get it and say aha see God is faithful now what's the next thing that I'm calling saying and doing that is discomforting to my flesh you know brings discomfort but I know the word is forever settled in heaven right. now when you get comfortable being discomfort being in discomfort then faith is an exciting journey Because it allows you to do something beyond yourself, and that's how I want to live. I don't want to live mediocre, and really it's just less than mediocre, because if I can accomplish it all by myself, and it's only what I did, it's a miserable mess. When I stand before the Lord, it'll get burned up. It has no eternal value to it. What I want to do is tap into eternal value. When I tap into eternal value, it will actually bless the natural, or even now. And people will acknowledge it and see it and thank you for it even. Some hate you for it, but that's okay. You're going to have haters. Don't worry about it, because you're not of this world. But. Then it'll go beyond that natural thanking and appreciation. You'll actually get God to thank you for some stuff. And God will begin to say, son, I am well pleased with that. Son, here's a reward for that. Here's a crown for that action. And it'll carry with you for eternity. So we want to live a life of faith. We know in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. But it's not just you hearing my voice. Can you hear my voice? Okay, that doesn't mean you have faith. That just means now you have access... To faith faith is actually doing what you're hearing and living by it James told us that you can hear the word but not be a doer of the word and actually hear it and could say it but not be firmly persuaded in what you're saying and as a result of that you actually are deceived and live a deceived life although you're quoting scripture so how do we know we know in our heart In our heart or in our inner man, we know we are firmly persuaded, I know this. Again, I know when I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. I know that I believe this. If there's any like, hmm, I know that. I know when that comes in, when it creeps in, when it's there, when it shows up. And you've got to be honest with yourself. Because if you're not honest with yourself, you'll say, yeah, I believe, but the reality all on the inside, you're uncomfortable. I mean, I'm not talking uncomfortable. I'm talking you're out. You're like, you're really, you believe it could go the way you already see it. And that's not faith at all, at all. Okay. Don't get offended by that, because again, I had a great faith teacher by the name of Kenneth Keith Moore, and I'll never forget when he was teaching. Uh, he would say, "If you're not happy, you're not in faith. If you don't have joy, you're not in faith." And I'm like, "Shut up!" You know, because I've already heard his testimony. You know what his testimony was? God called him to Ramah, and he went and volunteered at the ministry and worked with Brother Hagin and was there at the church all the time while his wife actually worked a job and brought the income in. So my mind's thinking, your wife supported you through your schooling. I'm working a third shift job supporting my wife and three kids. You don't even have any, and you going to talk to me about Joy? Well, he was right. The reality was he was right because when you're firmly persuaded, you'll laugh because worry keeps you from joy. And when you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay something, how you're going to take care of something, whatever, I mean, I'm just still trying to get my mind wrapped around the whole concept still. Amen. Thank God we can grow and learn. But, you know, a couple years later, I realized he's right. I don't have an excuse not to be in joy if I'm in faith and if I'm not full of joy it's an indicator I'm letting the circumstance dictate what reality is instead of the Word of God that's forever settled amen God's not obligated to flip it on a dime and again we don't have time to preach this message but we've preached it in the past is that there are some things that you receive immediately by faith Nobody disagrees that to get born again, you call on the name of the Lord to be saved, believe in your heart that he died and rose from the grave, and the minute you confess him as Lord, you're saved. When? Immediately. Nobody believes. Well, maybe you'll get it five years, son. No, we're like, you got it. But there's another scripture says through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God, which tells us then there are other areas in faith that they're not immediately showing up in the natural because it requires faith and patience to see them. Now, here's the rule. You can apply faith and you cannot and should not apply faith and patience when faith immediate should be, nor should you apply faith immediate when faith and patience is required. Because if faith and patience is required and you're expecting immediate, then you're going to get discouraged to the point that you'll question whether God means it. And you'll abandon your, not only your faith, but living for God entirely. You'll conclude he's a liar. Yet scripture says he is not a man that he should lie. So the real liar is, is that you had a misappropriation of faith, did not really talk to dad about what you were going through, spend enough time with him for him to let you know through faith and patience. I am not crying because 2121 US 1 South is not in my natural possession. Why? Because through faith and patience, we will inherit this promised land. We will possess it. I don't have to cry about it. Don't have to whine about it. Don't have to be upset about it. I just have to maintain my claim on it, maintain it bound up, and all of us coming together. Because, again, if it was only about Moses getting to the promised land, he could have done that easily. Now, with that being said, it isn't necessarily the people's fault. Sometimes it can be. Sometimes maybe it's not. Maybe it's just God's timing on a thing as well in destiny or purpose. But you got to speak to the Lord about these things so that you can be confident moving forward, all right? We know in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So that tells us just because we don't see it doesn't mean we don't have it. Another translation, the Amplified, says it this way, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, uh, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Amen. So, the Weiss translation says it this way. Now, faith is the title deed of things hoped for, the proof of things which have not uh, been, uh, n- are not being seen. Okay? Which are not being seen. So, I don't live by sight. I live by faith. Say, I live by faith. Now, we, gotta th- we have to talk about faith. We have to come back around to these things, because the reality is, if your love walk's not there at all, then faith doesn't even matter. So you got to get your love walk right, but once your love walk's right, then you are to live by faith, not by sight. And it's very easy for all of us to fall into sight, to fall into sight, where it's a constant battle, falling into sight. That's why you got to stay in the Word. That's why you got to continue to be in the Word. And I'm not just talking your personal favorite scriptures. I'm talking about Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22, whatever that verse is. That's the last one. I guess I need to memorize it. So uh, at the end of the book, you understand what I'm saying? You need to read it all. Okay? Quit discrediting stuff. It's applicable. Even the stuff that, that God has fulfilled, there's truths in it so that it strengthens us. Okay? 2 Corinthians, I don't remember if it was chapter 5 or chapter 10 now uh, off the top of my head, but it talks about that the old covenant, those particular uh, things that we read of the history of the Israelites are there for us to be an example so that we ourselves in this dispensation, our covenant, uh, understand that what they did and how they did things, there's some application to us. In essence, one translation says our stories run parallel. And then it goes on and says this, if they can fail in their uh, covenant, we can fail in ours. Don't think we can't. Okay? So sometimes it's great to actually look back at some people who honestly lived more of a life of faith than brand new believers who have God in them and their spirit man is alive to God. I mean, we are in a covenant that God is in us. Oh, think about it for a moment. Could you imagine if Abraham was walking with us today and he says, seriously? You had God in you. Really? And you couldn't keep it together? I mean, could you imagine Moses saying, seriously? Seriously? I mean, I went up to him, I saw him face to face, but you, we made a tabernacle where he came down, but he was in you all the time, and you had a hard time saying, yes, Lord, if we... if. Let me tell you something. If I'd have had the Holy Ghost in everybody, because you know that boy jo- Joshua, he was all zealous for me, serving me well, and all of a sudden, I'm like, Lord, you got to help me out. All these people right here, they, they about to drive me crazy, and the Lord says, fine, you get you about 70 guys, Take, I'll put the same anointing on you on their lives, and I did. A couple of them didn't even show up at the prayer meeting where the anointing fell, and they started prophesying the camp. Joshua heard about it. He wasn't well with that, because who in the world is going to prophesy but Moses? That's me. I was the guy. I was the leader need a, follow, a follower of following God and taking the people. And he says, whoa. And I said, look, son, I wish that all you could experience God like I have. Because this is what I know. If you did, you wouldn't be a mess like this. But you have God in you. <laughs> Come on, look to your neighbor and say, God's in me. Which means you can. Say, I can. Say, I will. I will. Say, I'll be fearless. Man, be fearless. So sometimes when we look back at these old covenant uh, uh, patriarchs or, or, or men and, and women of faith, they didn't even have a, 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 their spirit man was not alive to God. Where they walked day in and day, day out and, and they housed him because they were the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yet they followed him. I said they followed him. Okay. Now I've ministered about this individual before, and besides that, you know, this is Equip 3.0. This is a year for us where we are to put ourselves in remembrance. Remember, Paul said, I'm gonna stir you up by way of reminder, and Peter himself said, I'm gonna stir you up by way of reminder. And I've been here for fifteen years preaching in St. Augustine, and we've done hundreds of sermons, but the reality is, man, I could go back and preach, go back and never preach another new thing, and it would be a new thing for every one of us. Are you with me? So sometimes we just need to be reminded. Now, I've got some people in here that listen to me so much, and when I say me, I'm saying the source by which God gave them an overseer in order to equip them, I'm constantly in their ear. They are downloaded those messages, and when they're at work, they're listening to it all the time. It's not my voice that they're trying to hear. They're trying to hear the Word of God in their life. And I've seen people who've literally done that. Their whole lives have changed because they constantly keep the Word in them, in them, in them. And if I'm not preaching in one ear, the other ear's got the Bible reading to them. Amen. Now, how much you spend time with God is up to you. And how close you are to God is up to you. You have to decide. With all this technology we have, I mean, we ought to be so, so mature in hearing the Holy Ghost that another voice, we're like, speak to the hand. It is written should pop out of us so much Not, what am I going to do? It is written. 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 Okay? So, here's the thing. For most, it's not believing God at his word that causes the greatest doubt in the mind, but it's believing God is using you to believe, act, and stand on that word. Most people, you say, well, do you believe the word? Yeah, I believe the word. You know, And then if you tell a testimony about how someone, you believe, not you, but someone tells you a testimony how they stood on the word and how it came to pass, you're like, amen! But then all of a sudden, God says, now I need you to believe it. And all of a sudden, the circumstances come that are contrary to that fact, and now you're like, uh, uh, uh. Well, the same people that had to overcome, you're going to have to overcome. It's okay. God's put it in you to do so. In fact, God wants you to experience the life of faith and being, as Pastor April said on Sunday, more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, but more. I don't want to conquer once and say, I did something, and then go around and talk about that day that God did something. Have you been around those people before? Oh, man, the Lord, man, he was doing such a while. And you're like, wow, when did that happen? That's 20 years ago. 20 years ago, the last time I checked his name was I Am, not I Was. Amen. People are like, I wish we'd go back to the old days. God's not in the old days. He's not, He's here today. He's already in the future. Now, what I mean by that, he's just a testimony. He's just a, a mirror of faithfulness back here. He's already at where you're at and moving forward. He don't even want you to stay here because if there's tomorrow, then he's already got a plan into that place. I mean, honestly, he's got a plan beyond our lifetime. So we need to stay where God's at moving forward and not looking back. In fact, Paul said, man, I've learned one thing. I don't know it all, but there's one thing I have learned, and you need to take this to the house. You need to go to the bank with this. I forget what lies behind, right. yes. and I press on. That's right. Now, again, we're not telling you to forget all the, um, oh, the, the, the uh, chat... Um, Oh, flip, I'm trying to say it. All the victories, that's what I'm trying to say. All the victories that we've won in Christ because those fuel us to get the next victory. Okay? But we are forgetting this. I wish we'd go back to this moment. Amen. Because you know what? God's doing something today. And we need to be seeking him now and not trying to live in the past. The good old days. No, the best days are ahead of us. Come on, the best days are ahead of us. I mean, we ain't even seen good days yet compared to what is yet to come. The best is yet. Then that is true. But if you'll believe it, but if you don't believe it, then you'll have worse days. But it's because you want worse days, not because God wants to give them to you. Okay. So, let's look at this guy in Judges chapter 6. In Judges chapter 6, and I'm going to run this kind of parallel on two things. I'm going to deal with some leadership aspects of his life, but then I'm going to talk about faith in his life as well, okay? And I think we run it parallel through here tonight. Man, we're going to be changed, and we'll be able to walk out of here tonight saying, I'm a fearless leader, all right? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a fearless leader. Okay. In Judges chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, it says this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior! Then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles from which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midianites. Seriously? Boy, he's negative. Right? You know? You're awesome. Yeah, right. Right? I mean, come on. Let's go on, verse 14. The Lord looked at him and said, go in, this, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And he said, Oh, Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in this tribe, Mananzas, or whatever you pronounce it. All right? And I am the youngest in my father's house. You know, it's amazing how people get hung up if I don't pronounce something right. Seriously. It's like, surely you should know. Surely if you just get the truth I'm preaching, then you won't be so concerned about a word I may not pronounce right. Right? I mean, I can admit, phonically, I'm not great. But when I bring a truth from the Holy Ghost, it changes your life. So people get stuck on, well, he can't pronounce, so all of a sudden, well, you know what? Uh, There's donkeys that started talking, and they had some great wisdom. (laughs) Amen. So don't get so educated on me. I'm not great in phonics. So if I get too messed up, I'll just say Dr. M or Mr. O or whatever the case may be. Don't bother me because that ain't the emphasis. It reminds me of Smith Wigglesworth. In fact, he had written a letter one time and spelled one word seven different times a different way. And so they wrote back, and, you know, said, I'm, you know, Doctor, you know, Smith. I mean, this is a guy who had 23 people raised from the dead in his ministry, countless healings, you know, okay, and you know, just miraculous move of God in his life, and ministered the word in truth, okay. And so they're like, you know, did you know, he said, did you get my message? He said, yeah. He said, well, that's all. <laughs> Amen. Now I'm gonna tell you, I, it's not that I don't try. Because I'll even turn on the Bible app and I'm like, how's that go? <laughs> and I'm listening and I'm listening and I'm listening and I'm listening. And then sometimes I even try to sound it out like it says, or like write it out like it sounds. You know, I do that in weddings all the time, just to let you know. You know, like Kirk and Chelsea Kasab. So I spelled it S A A B, Sab, like a car. And then K K A, K K, Kasab. why? Because you don't want to mess up a last name, man. Uh, you know, Kirk and Chelsea Kasbah. Right? Rock the casbah, rock the casbah, if Jesse don't like it. Oh, I, that was a 1980s flashback. Please forgive me. <laughs> the Lord redeemed me from that. Hallelujah. See, I forget. I'm going to forget now. Okay, that's just how powerful music is, though. You understand? I pull that junk out. Oh, I, I don't listen to the words, I just like the beat. Oh, yeah, the devil's hammering the words down. Yeah, yeah. And then you get along with somebody, and you're thinking, "Rock to kiss," <laughs> right? You, yeah, I don't listen to the words. Then why are your body moving? <laughs> okay, yeah, it's getting hot in here. Yeah, it's getting hot. And they ain't being subliminal. They just telling you, "I just like the beat." And all your clothes are off. What happened? Okay. Um, let's get on stay focused people okay listen verse 15 and he said I am the least in this family this tribe I am the youngest in my father's house but the Lord said to him surely I will be with you and you shall defeat uh, Midian as one man now here's some things takeaways you can have concerning leadership in just this passage of Scripture the first thing we need to learn is this those chosen to lead don't always have it all together before they are called on by the Lord They don't always have it all together. This is why when I'm looking, because I am a pastor, and I'm looking for potential. You know, they don't have to have it all together. I just need them to have something, because when you see it, you start to speak to it. So again, this guy obviously doesn't have it all together, but yet the Lord's already calling him. Why do we know that? Because the minute the Lord says something about him, he says something contrary. Which tells us, point two, when it comes to leadership, the Lord always speaks to the unseen potential in the chosen rather than the position they are found in. Now, may I preface or make a statement real quick just so we can get one piece of leadership off the table. Say, off the table. You cannot violate this leadership principle. And churches are doing it for the sake of putting people in a place But you can't violate it because you you hinder them tremendously. There is no way to develop them if you grab a leader at this point. They will never develop. And Paul said, or Peter, I don't remember which one it is right now off the top of my head. I believe it was Paul. He said this, do not put a novice in leadership position or a new believer a babe in Christ, because if you do, they will get lifted up in pride and incur the same sin as the devil. So, some of the most zealous people and on fire are those who just get born again. You know what's so awesome about them? They'll come to church. And you don't have to tell them. I mean, they'll come to prayer meeting and, and, and think that's just what we do now. I mean, they're like faithful City. They any truth you start to preach, they're like a, 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 a um, spiritual sponge. They're pulling it in and acting on all of it. Yeah. But I cannot violate the fact they're a novice. Doesn't matter how much I see in them. I have to wait. And what do I have to wait on? The first, the second seed. The first seed goes to the wayside. The, first, the next seed goes into a field where all of a sudden they spring up with joy, but when trial and tribulation shows up, so I have to wait till a little pressure shows up and let them get past the first one. Because if I don't, then I'll try to put somebody in a level of leadership, and all of a sudden they'll think they can do it better than anybody. They'll get in pride just like the devil, and then you just got a mess on your hands. I think I can do it better, you can't do it better. Because here's the thing, we can't do it without him. And I can do all things through him. But when pressure starts showing up, how will you respond? And if you don't make it through the pressure, and it, it's best to let them fail. Because then at that point, we're at a place like, okay, Now, let's start having a conversation. Can we pick you up? Can we get somewhere? Will you recover from here? Can we do that? Will you humble yourself at this point? Because, again, if they'll humble themselves, or in the midst of the trial, instead of abandoning, they continue to humble themselves. What I mean by that humble, it doesn't mean that, oh, I'm nobody, I'm no good, I'm so sorry, I'm just, I don't deserve anything. That's not humbling yourself, that's false pride. Humility is, Lord. I realize right now there's a lot of pressure going against what I'm believing. And in the natural right now, I want to kill somebody. I want to hit somebody. I want to quit. I want to do something different than what your word's telling me. But I'm going to yield to your word. That is what humility is. Okay? That is what humility is. So in the pressure, I choose to do that, or I'm doing it my way. You stink, da-da-da, and getting the flesh fit, and they realize, ah, I should have never. That, that, I blew it. I shouldn't have done that. So I'm going to humble myself. Lord, now I'm going to go back and repent to this person that I got in the flesh, and I cussed them out, and I did something entirely different than what you said, and I don't care how they respond to me. Even if they cuss me out, tell me I'm no good, and I'm just sorry, and I, I'm a, the worst Christian ever, I'm not going to retaliate because ultimately I know my worth is in you. And I'll go back into the situation and whatever they, the leadership wants to move me on a track of restoration, I'll do any of it. Doesn't matter what it is. That's humility. You know, I've been around some people, all of a sudden they start to fall and you go to say, "We did well, I ain't doing that. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, then you've not repented. Because if you're calling, now, I'll get right, but here's the condition. There's conditions? There's no conditions, because here's the thing. I didn't fail. You did. I'm trying to help you get to the next place. It wasn't my problem. It was yours. But if you're putting conditions on this thing, then the reality is you've not really repented, because a real repentant person would be like, whatever. I just want to be right. Are you with me? Okay. So the next thing we learn is the Lord always speaks to the unseen potential in the chosen rather than the potential position they are found in so he was found in a position other than what he called him he called him a valid warrior but that isn't what he thought about himself amen so you know when when leadership in the church starts coming up and start our people you know that that have grown in the lord start saying man you're you know what i don't care what you think of yourself maybe you ought to listen to what they're saying about you Okay? The next thing we learn is those chosen are not personally aware of God and his ability. You don't actually have to be conscientious of all. In fact, he was complaining. Well, where's God? I mean, if God's with us, you know, if God's here, you know, if God's for me, then where is he? Where's the God that brought him out of Egypt? Where is that God? He abandoned us. Well, did he abandon them? Oh, let me go on. If the chosen focuses only on their insecurities, they will never leave the cellar. So in essence, he's he's down in a wine press, and so he's here trying to separate the wheat from the chaff, which you need wind for that, because when you throw it up, the lighter part, the wind takes out, and the heavier falls to the ground. They always do it out in the open, but he won't do it in the open because he's afraid. And he's inferior and he's insecure because there's an army and there's people who keep coming and ravaging our stuff. And I don't want him to know what I'm doing because I want to get my, my food and I don't want to be taken because if he shows up, I'm just going to give it to him. I'm basically lay down and let him take my stuff. So I'm down here in a place that literally isn't be very effective, but I'm just in fear. I cannot stand out in the open. And if you can't get out of your insecurity, you'll never leave that place. Never leave that place. Okay? Insecure leaders, man, they're rough. They're rough. Why? Because they can't allow somebody to do something. Won't let somebody have an opportunity. I remember one time when I was in the youth ministry, I had this particular youth leader, you know, potential, right? And the guy had potential. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But, you know, he really just wanted to get on a platform and showboat. That's really what he wanted. So, you know, I had him do various assignments and stuff, man, and one day, man, he called me up, you know, at the house, and he's like, you know, you, you don't see my potential. You know, I said, I'm coming to your house, okay? I've been around with him long enough now, done enough mentorship. I'm getting some righteous anger, seriously. Now, let me tell you why it's righteous, because the guy was bigger than I was. The guy was like a third-degree black belt. The guy would kill me. Can I just say that? I have no problem with that. I'm not a tough guy. I'm not a tough guy. I have no problem with this. The guy would have absolutely destroyed my life physically. But I was empowered by God to go confront him face to face at his house alone. Showed up at his house, knocked on the door like I owned the place. But you know what I'm saying? God was trying to do something. And I began to have a conversation. I said, let me tell you something. How many people? Do we have in the youth ministry doing stuff? How many leaders are there? How many different people are teaching classes? How many different people are doing opportunities? How many? And you're going to sit here and tell me I don't see your potential? There is no evidence to your charge. Well, the anointing was on me, and he backed down. I said, but here's the thing. You know what? I'm going to give you your shot. I'm going to give you a Wednesday night next month. I'm going to do it. Because this is what I know. People think they know what they want. The minute they act, you start giving them some things, you don't just get an opportunity to talk. You get the pressure associated with the opportunity. You get, you get all the... Because, listen, it ain't about the devil trying to do something. God will begin to say, oh, you want to talk? Well, let me, put, let me squeeze out the junk that's going to mess up my word. So I'm just like, Lord, sure, church. I know what I've done. He don't intimidate me. I'm not insecure. He can do whatever he says. If he does horrible, I can clean up his mess. If he gets off, I'll take the platform from him. Are you with me? They're not a minister still on this platform. Even my associates, if they got off, I would take the platform from them. Okay, but that didn't happen here because we are studiers of the Word. I got my staff going through a book this thick right now this year. This thick. It's not because they don't know. It's because we're going to strengthen what we do know, and then try to talk about stuff maybe we don't. Amen. There's a lot of blood, sweat, tears. To be able to stay right here and to go on. You get people show up all of a sudden, and you know what they want to do? They want to take all the flock away without any pressure. You did all the work. They take all the glory. No, it doesn't happen when there's an anointed person not secure. They will deal with that. Amen. I'll encourage you, (laughs) but we're going to live it right. So the guy took a week from his slot. Calls me a Pastor Earl, I can't minister. Really? Well, how come, man? What's the problem? I'm not fit. You're not fit. What's that mean? I mean, you said I didn't see your potential. No, what's the problem? Well, I'm in sin. You're in sin. What's that? I slept with a girl. Oh, you, s- yeah, you're in sin. Uh-huh. Hey, Amen. Listen, I don't have to run down people's sin. Because the Bible brings your sin to me. Your sin will surely find you out. You can't cover it up. The more you try to cover up, the more it becomes exposing. No big deal. That's why I live a free life as a leader. And I don't have to respond to it any faster than God wants me to. Because when I do, then I do. Because God's so gracious and merciful and long-suffering. But when I get involved, it's because he's been talking for a little time and you're not listening. And I come just to say, can we get it right? Because dad's been talking. Well, I said, well, you understand you're not going to be able to teach. Well, how do, did, that, did God know this was? Did God know? He said, well, pastor, if you're so spiritual, why didn't you know that? I don't have to know that. The minute I put him in that position that you're going to go, God began to say, you ain't going up there like that. And put pressure on him so much he couldn't sleep. Became so convinced. I don't have to shame you. I don't have to get you in guilt. All I got to do is preach truth, the Holy Ghost, go home with you and talk to you about your life. But I know how it is. I get blamed for it, right? Because that's what happens with leaders. That's why you can't be insecure. That pastor, he's just preaching about this, that, and the other. Especially when they talk about uh, certain particular subjects, you know. I know if they're complaining about me preaching about it, they probably have a problem about it. Now, that's not always the case because you can't take blanket things, all right? You can't do that. You know, that's not even wisdom there. But it is an indicator we may need to determine if that's so, all right? Why? Because anytime you hear the word, you should be full of joy, even if you're like, ouch, I'm going to have to change that. Oh, yeah, okay, I need to make an adjustment. Why? Because you're good, and I'm not without you. And your word always works, and mine doesn't. All right? So if the chosen focuses only on their insecurities, they will never leave the cellar. The last thing we learn in this passage is the enemy will always try to discredit you, discredit what you have heard from the Lord to make you doubt. So here's the Lord. say, so you're a valiant warrior. And what does he get brought to his remembrance? It wasn't God. I'm the least of the tribe, the youngest in the family. I'm the baby. I mean, we're the least tribe and the least family, and I'm the youngest in it i'm the last candidate i'm the last person you should be talking to right now of what you're calling me but isn't that god (laughs) isn't that god god is not moved by your current position that if you would just listen to him he'll take you to a different place but it will require faith so what does that mean in the context of faith this is what takes place in these passages of Scripture, and just in these six verses, okay, or whatever it is. Um, I actually went to, six, yeah, 12 to 16, four verses, okay, four or five verses. Faith will be required when the present natural obstacles look more powerful, even if those obstacles were put there by your disobedience. See, we got to understand this. When he said, where is this God? that my dad's talking about. He's abandoned us. Listen, he did not abandon them. The nation of Israel abandoned God. And again, this is what we talked about in prayer on Sunday is that we're blaming God when the devil's doing things. The Lord was very clear. If you obey my word, I will. Bless, 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 multiply, bless, multiply, bless, bless, prosper, bless, multiply, bless, 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 prosper. Okay? That's kind of a summary of Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 13. All right? Then, right? You're mighty. You conquer. You overcome. Everybody's scared of you. All right? That's that's the context. But then you get into verse 14 or 15, and you go to the rest of the chapter. He says, if you don't obey my word, then this is what's going to happen. Curse, 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 curse. You're going to die. You're going to get sick. People are going to beat you up. You're going to be bullied. This is going to happen. So... The, Midian, the, the Midians were bullying them, not because God left, but because Israel left. Right. And why did they leave? His, his word. Well, we're going to go follow this God. It's just like, he's like, oh no, no, he can't even see me, but man, I'm going to worship him. He can't even talk, and I'm going to worship him. He can't even hear, and I'm going to worship him. He can't even walk, and I'm going <laughs> to worship him. I set him on the shelf. I dust him off. I'm burning candles to him. I'm putting water on his head. And Gideon has the audacity to tell the angel of the Lord, God abandoned us. Amen. This is why a lot of people aren't living by faith today, because they think God has abandoned them. And not said, wait a minute. Where am I in this thing? So here's the thing. Faith will be required. He's going to expect you to believe beyond what you currently see. And this situation Gideon was in um, was not an easy one. They have been being plundered year after year after year after year. And the Lord's saying, Listen, all those attacks is your fault, it's not mine. But I'm going to change it if you'll become who I call you to be. <laughs> Amen. God is looking for someone to repent and believe, not for someone to sit in self-pity. Yeah, come on. Can't sit in self-pity. You, listen, in God's kingdom, there is no victim. That's right. I'm going to say that again. In God's kingdom, there is no victim. They're only Redeemed. And when you're redeemed, you've been made new. And now you're a conqueror. And now you don't have to, bat, you don't have to poor mouth yourself and say, "Where I you're in the kingdom now. You are with the king. You are with the one who created heaven and earth. You are in the family. You are a new bloodline. You have a new health care system. You have a new economy. You have a new lifestyle. You have a new purpose, a new way of living, a new way of being, a new way of conquering, a new way of overcoming. There is no victim mentality in the kingdom of God. So if you wall around as a believer in self-pity, you are listening to your old household. Hallelujah. The king does not feel sorry for us. He has compassion, and compassion says, I see what you're in, I know how you feel, been there myself, I whipped it, I'll put that whipping in you. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. I see what you're in, I know how you feel, I felt like you feel. felt, but I whipped it, and I'll put that whipping in you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what compassion is. I know this is tough. Gosh, I was there. I was right there. I, fi- I know every temptation that you're dealing with right now. I know it. I know it. But I whipped it. And I put that whipping in you. Now get up and whip this thing. Get up and whip this thing. Come on, get up and whip this thing. Because there's nothing you're thinking, no thought going through your mind right now that Jesus hadn't had that thought, but he beat it. I said he beat it every time. And here's the thing. There are people on earth, humans just like you, that have had that thought you're having right now and been in that issue that you're currently in right now, and they whipped it. They've whipped it. It's behind them. It's victory. Okay? Faith operates at the level you recognize God's identity and your own. So until you recognize God, because he didn't have good recognition of God. He's like he's the abandoner, the one who abandons, the one who used to do miracles but now sits from afar. I'm going to say that again. He is the one who used to do miracles, but now sits from afar. It's a lot of teaching like that. They read about all of his miracles and say, but that's during that day today to do that. All we get is just the word. No, you get to overcome just like they did. You get the same miracle signs and wonders that they did. But again, you'll never operate in those or get those if you don't know who you are now in Christ. As long as you're a sorry sinner saved by grace, then... You'll always be su- sub- su- susceptible to disobedience because you view yourself as, I'm going to blow it. Right. Instead of, I was a sinner. But God, by his grace, came and took my payment of sin. I confessed him as Lord. Now I am a believer. I'm a child of God. I actually have capacity to obey Dad. Yes. And so I'll choose to. Yes. Yes. Amen. Now, I've been tempted to not, but I'm going to choose anyway to stay with God. Because I've done the plan without him, and I'm not subject to have to do that. I've been redeemed from the law of sin and death, and now I'm in a new law called spirit and life. So I'll stay with spirit, which is the Holy Ghost, and life. And I'll do it his way and get his result. Amen, but you have to get it by faith. Faith doesn't care where you came from. It only cares about what you believe. I am the least... We had at least tribe, you understand? We're in that part of town. We come from that community. We came from this issue. Faith don't care about that. Right. Right. Faith just says "Well, you believe. Right. <laughs> Faith doesn't care about that. It's no issue to them at all. Faith doesn't favor the down and out. Faith will operate in king's palaces. So again, faith is not for the poor less fortunate to bring them up somewhere. Faith is just the life that a believer is to live, period. Yeah. So whether you're in a palace or you're in poverty, okay. faith was to work. And if you'll get in faith, you won't stay in poverty. That's right. There's no doubt about that. You will not. Yeah. You'll come out. Yes. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, you can't stay there because right. faith won't allow it because you're the children of the king. I said he's not going to allow it, all right? Faith won't do that. Your past identifies your ability. Faith identifies his ability. Your past identifies your ability. Faith identifies his ability. I'm preaching, man. If you identify yourself with natural things, you will never see yourself as God sees you. That's right. One of the greatest epidemics in the church today is identifying themselves with a people group. The problem is we identify with the wrong people group. You keep identifying yourself with a natural people group. Are you with me? The minute you do that, you become limited. If you see yourself as an African American, if you see yourself as a Hispanic American, if you see yourself as an Irish American, you just limited yourself. Number one, you're putting yourself in a nation that you're not even living in. So now you're divided in your own nation called the United States of America. And a house divided against itself won't stand. But the reality is, you're not even an American as much as you are a kingdom citizen. You just happen to live in this nation, which is the launching path for you to go into all the world. I thank God for our country, but it is not more important to me than the kingdom of God and my citizenship in heaven. Which means then, you want me to talk about my people? My people. Who are called by his name, my people, who do the will of the Father, they are the sons of God, and they are identified because they do the will of God, not by the color of their skin. Jesus stood up and said, who is my mother and my brother and sister? When mama, the natural one who gave birth to him and his brothers and sisters were outside the crowd saying, can you tell Jesus that we need to have a conversation with him? Jesus, your family's outside, needs to talk to you. Say, who is my family? I mean, some people, some mamas right now would be offended if their, if their son said that. Who my mama? Child, please, I gave birth to you. I brought you in this world. I take you out, right? That's what you think. Jesus says, who's my mama? Mary, son. <laughs> How can you forget all I did for you? <laughs> Mary didn't get offended. She's like, whatever he says, you do that. He said, who is my mother and my brothers and sisters? All who do the will of my father. These are my mother, my brothers, my sisters. And that's and he said. You're my family. Don't you limit me to a natural bloodline. Hallelujah. So, I met a guy up in New York. Hallelujah. This always happens. <laughs> I met a guy up in New York, right? Uh, When we went to Israel, his name's um, Ricardo, all right? Uh, Roberto, Roberto, yeah, Roberto, that's right. (laughs) It's Roberto. (laughs) Ricky Ricardo. No, it's Roberto. (laughs) Rob, they just want me to call him Rob, but it's it's Roberto. He'll get a kick out of this if he ever watches online now. He's going to show up here. He's going to come. He's already said he's coming, right. right? We made an impact, right? He loves me. I've already FaceTimed him. Right? He goes, You're just Earl. You're just Earl. Because, you know, we were like, We didn't want to say we we're Pastor. You're just Earl to me, but men I like get in that church, when I like walk, you're going to be Pastor Earl, and I want to see that guy. Well, the thing is, he's already seen that guy <laughs> to some degree. But anyway, um, he said this. We were talking about church and stuff, and he said this. I thought it was awesome, okay? His name is Roberto, right? And his wife's name is Giselle, okay? I can't pronounce their last name, so don't even try. I mean, I already had a hard enough time with his first. <laughs> <laughs> but he asked this question, which was awesome. He says, No, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to ask you right now about your church. Because he was like, Do we have a mega church? I'm like, I mean, we have a few people. You know, Tony Mawr, our vision partner, goes, Oh, that's a mega church for us. That's okay. I mean, there's plenty more people in the world, so we can continue to expand, right? Okay. But he says, How many different colored people are in your church? He asked me. I said, it sure ain't one-sided. I can guarantee you that. He said, now that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Well, and it should look like that. It should look like that. Amen. I can't give you the percentage of it, but the reality is you look around now, you're thinking, hmm, because this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And you're my brother and my sister. And there's no natural nation that I'm more connected to that would cause me to be divided from you. The only way you can get away from me is you start disobeying our Heavenly Father. And that puts us in another place. Not that I'm leaving, because if I'm obeying Dad and you're not obeying Dad, you're leaving the family, not me. You're the one who's wanting to walk out the door, not I. Okay? So God don't care where you came from. Faith doesn't care. He just wants you to believe, yes. okay? All right. So let's go into the next passage, Judges 6, 25 to 27. I'll kind of start paraphrasing a little bit. So God gives him his first assignment, right? Because, again, I'm calling you something, and what's he know? You ain't ready for, the, for where I'm taking you. Now, he's already giving him the big prize. I'm going to use you to deliver the nation of Israel from the Midian. But we're not going to war immediately because, son, you can't handle war. I mean, you having a hard enough time still just believing. You're Yeah. yeah. You're a warrior, so I'm going to help you. You know that false god, which is why they were abandoned in the first place. Right. Because they abandoned God and went to Baal. I want you to go tear it down. Yeah, yeah. Go rip it down. So he said, man, let me get some friends of mine because it's you know altar. I'm going to go tear it down, but we ain't going to do it during the day. Why is he not? Because he's still f- afraid. I don't want anybody to know, so he goes at a night. Builds another honor, uh, sacrifice to God. What do we learn from this? As a leader, here's the thing. Those chosen will be tested before being promoted to more responsibility. Well, God told me I was. You better pass some other tests before you ever get there because God will require them. That's right. You don't go from, I know God's plan for my life, and you get there tomorrow. It doesn't happen that way. Right. Because God knows what's in you, yes. and he's going to get that out. I said, he's going to get that out? So he says, let's get him in here. Let's give him a test. The next thing we learn in the realm of leadership, those chosen must become that which they are assigned. Change is necessary in order to lead. Yeah. This is why I say I'll be a better pastor in five years. Why? Because what needs to change in me changes in me. What needs to tweak? Tweaks. What I need to grow in revelation, I grow. What needs to become more clear I, gets clear. When my love walk needs to continue to abound more and more, it abounds. But I have learned through the years as a leader, when my love walks walking, it's not because I was in the word that brought my love walk bigger. It's because I met opposition with people who were going against God and then got against me. And then as a result of that, I had to stay in love. And you know when you are, because your faith works and your prayers work. And you can look at them and be okay and engage them even though they do not want to engage you. Now, that doesn't mean you wouldn't feel grief because I do feel grief. Sometimes I feel grief. I'm like, oh, geez, I, you know, because potential, but they're off. I've been around 15 years now in this one location. A lot more people than you've come through this church, and I run into them. And a lot of times it's like they run to the next aisle. So I'll run to catch up. Hey! Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. I'll be in a restaurant, see them. Hey, go up, meet to them. They're not moving. It's almost like. (laughs) Right in the menu. But sometimes I won't because I'll give them the opportunity to show their love. Just recently that happened. We went to one restaurant. Particular group was there. And I mean, sat down. Then they're ordering. No response. I mean, we like so close to like here to that pole. I mean, you can't miss us. And I'm not quiet all the time anyway, right? So I'm not that I was making a scene. It's just that I'll take an unsweet tea. I mean, it's just kind of your voice goes. So I'm like, well, I'm fine. So <laughs> you want it awkward. It ain't awkward with me because I'm right with the king. So I went over, how you doing? Ask questions, what's going on? But it's awkward. Ran into him again at another one. My wife's like, is that? Yep. I said, but today, let's see if they have theirs. Left the building. It's not my fault. Amen. Are you with me? Change is necessary. Some of us like doing God our way. Okay, so I'm going to tell them myself. I have a pop-up, Okay. And, you know, I, I like to look, I like campers, right? And we've been talking about maybe doing a different one at some point, right? So I got this pop-up. I mean, it's like, you know, a little small thing when we moved into our house. Paid cash for it, next to nothing, right? In fact, you've probably seen on Facebook, we're trying to sell it. Remodeled it, right? So I've only borrowed a pop-up from a guy who used to be in our church. Him and his wife left and went to Georgia, okay? Great transition. Love them today. They're doing great. Okay, so... The pop-up has these slide-out um, beds. And so you have this pole on the one I used to be, the guy bar Tim, and you stick it into the bumper, and it has this little clip underneath the plywood that holds the mattress on the inside, and you stick and clip it so when you lay on it, it doesn't collapse. And that's how it works. Well, I bought this other one. I had two like that, but then I had these other ones that kind of hinged. It's like a n- whole new thing. I'm like, well, okay. So I use the one for the front, but it's the, these other ones say front and back, and I'm like, when I try to do, I it's like, this don't even work, so I'll just go to this one. So what a, so I hook it into the bumper and then I take the other one and I it's got like this little plastic knob, and I stick it in the ground on the ground, and then it's got a 45, and I would stick it up and hold it because there's no little pins. I'm like, there it is. It's straight like this, goes as an ankle into my bumper, done. Slap on it, no problem. So I'm investigating some other ones because we have grandkids and this little thing ain't cut and we're thinking maybe one day we'll get a different one, you know, with some slides because they're really cool, right? You know, I know a couple people in the church that got some slides and they're awesome. Like that makes a whole lot of room. That makes sense. So I'm watching a video on how to put it together and come to find out, I have been putting that thing together wrong the whole time. (laughs) Tim's, I did right, but this one I used Tim's idea where it goes here, but because there was no clip, and it hinged, I just figured it'd stand it up, it's like, you know, on a pole. It made sense, but there was a clip on the rail when the whole mattress is slid in, so that 45 angle that I was resting the mattress on actually is supposed to go there, and it comes out, and the bed actually slides on the part I just had standing up as a pole. Then it goes back down into the bumper. Why is this relevant? Because some of you are doing things with God and it's working, but it ain't how God created it. That's not how the manufacturer actually designed it to be. And just because you can get it to work doesn't mean you're doing it the way God intended it. And when he begins to say, this is how I meant it, you need to have an aha moment and say, I'll never do it that way again. Because the manufacturer said, do it this way. So I can tell you, when I get another one, I will not do it my BoJack way. Amen. What I mean by is sometimes in our ignorance or uh, our heart's desire to do something for God, cause we generally love him, but we actually don't have it all together in faith. God doesn't wait and always say, sometimes he'll move things along just to keep encouraging you. But all the while he expects you to be in his word so that you can perfect That's right. that thing. So you're like, ah, oh, I was doing that wrong the whole time. He's doing it wrong the whole time. I've told this story about uh, Papa Tom before. Papa Tom, you know, he uh, came here and worked at the church a lot of times with us. You know, great asset to us. Tom, stand up so everybody can see you. Not everybody knows who Papa Tom is. There's Tom right there. All right. And so, Tom, you know, uh, came, helped with the church. He was one of the ones that helped us bring in 19 dump trucks worth of dirt, wheelbarrow wheel out of time, and help us level all of uh, the three theaters that we had to level. And so, um, one day, I'm like, hey, um, Tom, can you go to the annex and get me that, uh, that um, hand truck? I think it's what I said. Or did I say Dolly? One or the other. Did I say Dolly? I said Dolly. Okay. So... Um, Was it the furniture dolly you were looking for, or was it the green one? I think it was the green one. So he's thinking the green dolly or hand truck. He's looking for it, can't find it. And I'm like, Tom, go get that dolly for me in. I'm thinking of the furniture dolly that has a little rope, and it lays flat, and you put furniture on it. And I'm like, Tom, that dolly's in there. I just saw it the other day. Pastor Earl, I can't find it. I can't find it. So I said, come on, I'll go with you. Let's, let's go look. So I went in there, and I'm like, Tom, there it is. He was looking at it the whole time, but because his imagination of what it looked like was different than what, it, what I was asking, even though he's staring at it, he can't take possession of it. And this is what happens with us in the realm with God. We have this picture of what God's supposed to do, and we could be staring at our answer, but because we're not connected to how he's doing it, we're missing it the whole time. So that's why you got to go to God and say, God, what? He's like, come on, you were looking at it the whole time and didn't even know. Hallelujah. So you've got to let yourself grow. Change is necessary if you're going to leave. What do we learn in this passage? Your fear of God must grow to exceed the fear of man for faith to reach its fullest potential. See, he knows there's no way I'm going to send you this army because the minute you see how many there are, you're going to run. So let me just get you to overcome your community. Some people don't live by faith because they can't overcome their family. Come on. Yeah. Come on. They're afraid of what their family's gonna think. I mean, I've been around some. Well, I'm just you're you're concerned about your parents and God saying, What? don't be afraid of that. Step out in faith. Judges chapter six, verse 36 to 37, as you know, he uh, calls God, you know, he he gets a little empowered uh, at this point, and he's like, okay, I need to know that I know. I see God work, but I need to know that I know. And so this is where he does the little fleece deal, and he's got the water, you know, around it, and it's dry, and then vice versa, right? Now, here's the thing. This is God, God has to do this in the old covenant because God does not live in man, In the new covenant, we're led by the Spirit. You do not have to get something external to confirm what you have on the inside. Because let me tell you, if you are looking for it, the devil will talk to you, and then he will confirm it. He will. Do not put an external condition to be firmly persuaded on the inside. You're in the new covenant, God lives in you. You need nothing more than the voice When you know the voice of God and the word of God, you need no other witness. Those two are enough, period. You'll never have to see another confirmation, ever. If one comes and God literally gives it, great, but it's not necessary. Gideon needed it because he did not have the Holy Spirit living in him. So what do we learn from this, though, as far as trying to be led by God's Spirit or by God's Word? A clear understanding of God's will is necessary to boldly step out in faith. You have to have a clear understanding. God's Word and His Spirit is the fleece of the new covenant. No seen confirmation again is required to live by faith. If you have to see it to believe it, then you still have fear in you. I'm going to say that again. If you have to see it, To believe it, you still have fear in you, and you're not a fearless leader. All right? Judges 7, 2 to 3. Again, now he's like, hey, guys, we need to go take care of some people. Right? And um, so he's like, you know, um, the Lord says to him, now listen. He's got a group of people showing up, 32,000 here. And the Lord says, look, we got a problem. You got too many people. All right? So 22,000 leave and what was the question that he asked ask who's afraid are you ready for this get this great leadership moment right now what you are you attract now let me clearly identify though in this room there are insecure people but I didn't attract you there are people in fear I didn't attract you the majority of the people in this congregation right now are not full of fear and are not insecure because you've been trained. The majority of you look different. But if what deficiency you have, you will attract those individual's deficiencies because you're similar in how you process. So if you say, man, it seems like all the crazy people come to me. You better quit saying that. Number one, and do a self-evaluation. How come the most dysfunctional people show up to me? You better do a self-evaluation. If the majority of those Now, again, you're going to get different types of people. We're a church. But if you're getting this like really specific type that keeps showing up in your life, you might want to check that in your own life. So God's like, get rid of the people who are afraid because I don't need their fear to fuel yours. 20 Out of 32,000 people, 22 leave. That's a lot of people afraid. Here, Hey, if you don't want to go to war, you can go home. No harm, no foul. 22,000 leave. Where's everybody going? Right. Okay, 10,000 left, the Lord's light. That's still too many. Okay? When fear is present, it will turn to pride, even though it was the Lord's power, not your own, who accomplished it. This is why God sometimes works in ways that are like, that. again, if we had 50 million in the bank, we can do this. We bought the mall, We have paid it off. We've, uh, you know, put, put down a new parking lot, remodeled it. Hey, and we would just talk about what we did, even if God gave us the 50 million. That's why God allows us to do things that's like, man, we ain't got jack. That's all right. You got me. That way, when it's done, you're like, "Woo! look what the Lord has done through us. But he did it with us. We're co-laborers. All right, I got, to, I got to end this. I need to end this. Gideon was never expected to deliver a nation alone, but he got him down to 300 people. Okay? So the last passage in Judge chapter 7, verses 9 through 14, here's he got 300 people they are going to go, and they see how many people are there, and, and Gideon's like, okay, <laughs> this morning I started with 32,000 people. And now I have 300. You know, most pastors would fall apart and consider their ministry a failure if they lost that many, that much of their congregation in a day. Are you hearing me? This is why you can't be finding your security in how many people are following you. This is why you got to find your security in doing God's will. Because sometimes it says, i got to cut out the Mass so we can do something great. Because oh. the Mass ain't ready for the greatness we're about to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, again, it's not like those nations aren't apart, and they don't go back and, 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 uh, and, and reap the benefit of the win. But the reality is, not everybody's going to get in the fight. Gideon's a horrible leader. He had 32,000 that started with him. and got stuck to 300. But this is how we start looking at pastors. God's told me to, and half the church leaves. Man, they're struggling. No, God got rid of the ones that can't handle the victory they'll get in pride. He moved them out of the way. Now, here's the thing. They'll get to come back, but it's after the victory. That's why I say right now when we take them all, watch. Watch. Because God wants them to be a part of it. It's just that they're not in this fight. But we are. And we're going to see it come to pass. So what do we learn here in this last part when he's down? got his 300. The Lord says, listen listen now I'm, I'm a one more time I need you to know you the guy so he sends him down again Gideon has to have these external because God doesn't live any he goes down gets by a tent in the enemy's camp and now the enemy is talking about him this is what you don't understand in this moment Gideon is sitting outside with someone because he wouldn't go by himself and they're listening, and they said, man, I had a dream last night, and this loaf of bread come through the camp and destroyed the whole camp. The Lord. So who's doing it? The Lord. So most of us are like, man, the Lord. But you know what? The Lord didn't stop there. And this is what blows me away. Because, again, this is false humility and not understanding how you are to labor with God. They go on and say, the Lord has given the nights into the hands of Gideon they know his name the only thing that he's done significant up to this point is tear down an altar in his community and run off more people than he can retain that's not like there's a guy over there he kicked down an altar and ran thousands of people off that's not like be afraid of that guy Yet God put his name in them. Well, I don't want to take credit for anything. God's trying to get you to take some credit. you know why? Because when your name gets credit for what he's doing through you, he knows that you will tell, God did this through me. The Lord will always strengthen you with his word in order to build your confidence in him and his ability through you. We, when, we, when your identity is in Christ, you will truly overcome all obstacles by faith. Last two leadership things, and we'll close. Leaders need to be reminded of who they are from time to time in order to encourage them to accomplish their assignment. And the last thing is this. Fear must be overcome by the leader, or they will never lead. So you must become fearless. got to become fearless the only way to become fearless is to fully rely and trust that God will do what he said he'd do period and what he said he'd do isn't just what he'll do outward for me but what he has done in me the Lord said Earl glisten You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Earl Glisten, you are more than a conqueror. Earl Glisten, in Christ, I cause you to triumph. Earl Glisten, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Earl Glisten, all things are possible with you if you'll just believe said that about me. My daddy talked to me that way. My daddy said I'd do that. And I'll always believe my daddy over anybody else. I convinced myself that I'll just believe that I am who dad said I am. Dad said, Earl Glisten, you can overcome every temptation that comes your way. Earl Glisten, greater is he that's in you that's in the world. So who I am is who dad says I am. And who you are is who dad says you are. Not some religious guy. Not the world. But the uncompromised truth of God's word. We are children of God. And we are to be fearless leaders.